Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. And our listeners. Welcome to another edition of A Funny Podcast Presents Talking Trek Wars. I think I can rattle that off pretty good now. Talking Trek Wars. Awesome. Alright. So, we got some stuff in the news. We got a lot of stuff. I mean, it helped that Comic-Con just wrapped. Well, we talked about that last time. Did we? Yes, we did. I don't remember that. We did. Um, it's been a long couple weeks. <laughs> yes, it was. So, uh, we're going to our featured collector's corner. Talk real quick here. Okay. Via uh, Hero Collector, Eagle Moss has announced that they are going to do a new line of Star Trek ships. Focused solely on Star Trek Discovery and the ships of Discovery being slightly larger, but not a part of the official Star Trek ships collection. It's own new subscription line. And, well, of course they are. Because they're trying to capitalize on the stupid people who haven't bought into it yet. Well, I just don't understand why you wouldn't uh, add it to the pre-existing line. The sizes are going to be more like their special edition sizes, so slightly okay. larger. They're uh, probably going to cost a lot more. I, I think you're going to average like 40 bucks a ship instead of oh. your 21 Jesus. But it's okay. I may only have to buy one or two because the Klingon ships I've seen so far don't like. Well, and Discovery's not going to last long. I don't know. The amount of publications with uh, people talking about non-Trek publications. Let me clarify that. Mainstream publications where people love the trailer, are super excited, say how interesting it looks, and generally like everything that they've seen so far. they like, it's movie treks, but on the TV. What oh. they mean is the Abrams movie treks on the TV. I just, I just took a... I know. I took a pin right through the heart. So, we haven't talked about collecting, minus the your dad breaking the ships and having to rebuy and me getting yeah. to New Orleans uh, for a little bit. So, I figured we'd... We'd, 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 we'd start... With, well, with the STD ships. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because it's interesting that they're choosing to not make it a part of the regular Star Trek line. Yeah. And if they're doing it specifically because it is going to be larger scale, so it's more money, and it's for... That actually makes sense. for It's a target audience, right? Because we've talked about the fact that there's a huge group of fans who liked the Abrams first, but were never exposed to the originals. So what we're talking about here is a situation where they are going to capitalize on that particular group Mm -hmm. and offer a line for those people and not for the rest of us. Which goes exactly to kind of the conversation I was having during our last show, which is their target audience is not Star Trek fans. No, and I think I think we, we, we came to the conclusion that was readily apparent and that we were uh, we are not the target demographic and for the most part I'm I'm okay with that as long as they respect the original target audience. Right. But it, I can't say that they are. You know but it was pointed out to me uh, by a friend when I went on a endless diatribe of stuff that we've discussed on the show, and my anger was just seeping out of every one of my pores that I'm, uh, I'm, uh, 
I, I'm too negative going into it, and I need to give something a chance. And I thought to myself, no, I don't. I, I can be angry because guess what? It doesn't matter. I'm still going to buy it and watch it, but I can still be angry about it. And I don't have to just blindly give something a chance. I can go in with my skeptical and cynical glasses full tint. They got the last chances I was going to give when they, uh, the second Abrams movie, right? Because I didn't really love the first one. I was excited. Yeah. I was like, oh, but you know what? You know, the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek The Motion Boring, was terrible. And then it got better. So I was like, okay, first Abrams one, not great. Has some flaws. Maybe they'll fix it during the second one. Then they went full retard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they bit it all off. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, no, I'm done. I, I can't I can't have any level of hope based off of the information provided to me. I mean, is there, you know, like my dad says, you know, it opens up a lot of doors and there's a lot of possibilities. Sure is. But right now, everything that they've presented to us, I just kind of want to go, oh, so you went that route. Yeah. I'm... But I don't care. Beyond don't care. Beyond bought me goodwill. Star Trek Beyond bought goodwill that was evaporated by Into Darkness. Right. Uh, I found the first Abrams Star Trek entertaining. I didn't like a lot of the things they did, but at least it wasn't... It wasn't... The full sale shit show that Into Darkness is. So, right. Uh, but Beyond bought back some of that goodwill, and I think that was some new blood put brought in there, especially yep. in the writing department. But the one of the creative minds behind the shit show is running Discovery, or is a part of Discovery. Yeah. So I'm not. I I don't think I have to give them that measure. However, like we. Discussed multiple times. It's not like we're not going to buy it to watch it. Right. We're, we are going to do it to give ourselves an opportunity to be pleasantly surprised. However, as is with so many things that Hollywood has done, uh, I think they've given us enough now where we know enough. Right? We, we, there's the, a lot of the mystery doesn't exist anymore. We, we talked about that previously on, you know, on Funny, where so many trailers give you too much of the movie yeah, or too much of the show where there's no opportunity for surprise. I think we've hit that point with Discovery now. Yeah. Well, it's it's like in a contrasting thing, the internet, especially Star Wars sites, are chomping at the bit for another Last Jedi trailer. And every time people talk on there and I comment on there, I'm like, I'm like you know what, I'd be happy if they didn't show us another single thing. And people are like, you're crazy. You don't want another trailer? I'm like, sure, I'd like another trailer, but I don't need another trailer. Guess what? They're just going to keep showing stuff, and then you're going to get to the point where some of you people who are saying, give me another trailer, are going to be on here bitching that they showed you too much in the trailer. We've seen this cycle before. Right. And you know what? Like, I don't – you remember back in the day? Remember, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to paint a fanciful time, you know? Remember the good old days where – a movie could creep up on you in the theater, and you're like, 
what is this movie? I've never heard about it. And you go in blind and you walk out and it's one of your favorite movies. Right. I mean, I'm trying to think of a racing example where... I have one. The you movie go. where the previews really told you nothing, but it got you super excited. District 9. That movie was so undermarketed, but what they did show, one of the trailers was one of the uh, one of the bugs in an interview talking about why you're here, and it was shot like on security cam footage. Right. And my whole thing was, and it ends with, there are plenty of secrets in District 9. What the fuck? Yeah. I was like, um, and I walked out of there, and it is still one of my top five favorite movies of all time, and probably, to me, one of the best movies of this century. Now... I'm that's, okay that's with a very bold statement. I'm I'm you know what? Sticking by it because originality, quality goes a long way with me. Right. And it definitely had both of those. So uh But you get what I'm But it's also based off of preference because I'm a sci fi fan and that's a true hard sci fi movie, so I'm yeah. You know, I can understand other people's arguments. But it goes to my point of the best movies are the ones where you don't really have a clue what's going on. Um, during the movie. And, you know, actually a very recent example where the movie did not give away too much, or where the trailers really did not give away very much. Actually, Atomic Law. Yeah. Um, which we both recently saw. I know that isn't a sci-fi movie per se, but phenomenal. I loved it. And, once again, the trailers didn't give you enough of the story to make you feel one way or the other about what actually occurred with the movie. Yeah, you didn't. It it didn't give away any of the uh, plot twists. It didn't even hint at the plot twists. You were given a cookie cutter thing like, okay, it's set in the eighties. It's in Berlin. She's a spy and she kills people. And there's James McAvoy there. Okay, and there's a guy that dies and James McAvoy. Okay, cool. Yeah. By the way, James McAvoy. Do, developing on with like Split, where he played a multiple personality serial killer, yeah. to this one where he's a swarmy asshole, like a, a duplicitous, selfish, swarmy asshole. Yeah, it's great. It was really good in there. He's, I think he's actually a better actor than the roles he's been given up to this one. I actually think he was really, really great and very believable in Atomic. Yeah, yeah, and you know what the sad thing is is. People aren't going to see Atomic Blonde. It's not making any money. It's not making the money they hoped it would. It'll still probably turn out to be on par with with John Leach's other movies, yeah. John Wick one and two. But it's just kind of uh, it's kind of interesting that people aren't going to see this movie, which is really disappointing because of how great of a movie it actually is. Well, but mean, what makes me really happy is how how well Dunkirk is doing, right? Uh, which I still haven't seen yet. One of the things I liked about Tom Blonde, and I know this is, I know we're getting very, like, non-sci-fi for the moment, but... Well, we're going to circle back here in a few, so... Did the soundtrack to that movie. Loved it. I was okay with it. I've never, I've it. never been an 80s pop man. I'm not an 80s pop guy, but the, they were all very appropriate for the scenes they were chosen for. Yeah. And it... It was enough nostalgia of like of eighties pop where you weren't like you weren't taken out of the movie because you're like, Oh my god, this song. Yeah. What what hurts Atomic Blonde soundtrack for me besides the fact that I'm not an eighties fan was that I saw a movie earlier this summer that had the perfect soundtrack and that was Baby Driver. 
sampling sampling from all spectrums of music, which made it just right. It was and their choices of song. It was so well done that it's hard that Atomic Blonde it, it suffers not because it wasn't good, but because of the comparison to the movie that came out a month earlier. Soundtrack was just so stellar. Yeah. So on point. So. I'm disappointed that it's not the revolved box office. I, you know what? It's an R-rated movie. R-rated movies don't really do well. Um, it's just, I, I mean, I don't get it. I don't think, I think, I think half of America has the wrong idea. Well, they got the wrong idea about a lot of things. But right. uh, I think it's just being fed into it. I was reading an interesting article yesterday about uh, AMC and some of their financial issues. Um, just general viewership is down. And they're experimenting with new ways to draw in additional crowds, <clears throat> specifically around um, price-leveling movies. Well, okay, I'm okay with some of the ticket prices, you know. Yeah. When I when we saw Dunkirk in the D box with the vibrating motion yeah. seats, forty one dollars for two tickets. It's a little much, but the experience made it so much better. However, when you're paying an exorbitant amount in the concession stand, that's where it gets a little ridiculous. Yeah. You know, because theater chains make most of their money on the concession stands. But if you're taking a family of four out to see, like, say, Despicable Me, you're already dropping, depending on when you go see the show and the type of show, yeah. anywhere from 40 to $50 for the tickets, and then everybody wants popcorn, candy, and soda, and you're dropping another $50. You can't do that once a week. No. You know, they've, uh, you know, and who predicted it? George Lucas and Steven Spielberg held a press conference at one point saying, Something needs to be done, and there needs to be regulation on it because things are getting out of hand, and eventually you're going to be paying. Oh, and guess what? They already have this fifty to a hundred dollars to see a movie, and they mm -hmm. call that the the movie pass for big ones that you can go see over and over again. Yeah, you know, but and some people do do that, but you know, it's it's getting to the point where uh, you know, business is business, but when you're running your business like you are, eventually you're going to bankrupt yourself. Yeah, but secondhand theater chains have never seen a bigger profit. Weird, because they're affordable. Yeah, and their viewership is up. Yeah, I wonder what that says. I, you know, and oh, guess what? Their concession stands aren't exorbitant prices. Or you go to a movie theater in Portland, like the Laurelhurst, and oh, I'm paying four ducks, four, four ducks, four dollars, four, bu four bucks per ticket. So it's eight dollars to get into the movie. And guess what? They have local pizza there. And I'm paying $8 for three slices of pizza, $10 maybe if I had a bottle of water and a soda or a, or a candy. And guess what? I've just had a great date night for under $25. Right. Weird. Weird how that, how that always works out. But I think that's actually sh should say something, right? Where the second-run theaters are, are doing better than ever yeah. and the major chains are starting to fail. What does that tell you? It tells you that pricing is driving their actual attendance down. Yeah. Now, if you were a company like, or, or, or a location like Disneyland, where you actually need to drive attendance down, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. You know, Disney, we complain about how expensive it's gotten there. Well, that's because attendance is outgrown the space they have. 
Yeah. Whereas in a movie theater, I've been very rarely been to movies lately where there hasn't been plenty of room. Um, and I think theaters kind of have done it to themselves by accepting the, oh, well, there's plenty of room. Go sit in the shitty seats up front where you can't, you like, you walk out with a neck problem. Yeah. I, I think I have nothing wrong with a premium service or paying for premium service, but you have to actually get a premium service. Yeah. And that's not what they're providing at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have people yeah. who, who ask me why I've never been to Cinetopia. And I said, I'm sure it's a fantastic experience, and I'm uh, all all the uh, accoutrements that come with it. But I don't need that in my movie. Right. I want to go to the movie. I want to be left the fuck alone, and I want everybody to shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear your plate noises as you're eating food, or right. getting up to order another beer, or anything. Like, sit over there, shut the fuck up, let the lights go dim, and let's just we're here for. This experience, the cinema experience, not for right. everything else that comes with it. Yeah. Which is, which to me, I mean, I guess in those regards, called me old fashioned, but, you know. I uh, have no argument there. Yeah. And, and I just think if, if the movie industry or, or the theater industry specifically was smarter than they are, which they're not, is. But I wouldn't even say they had to induce concession prices because that's where they do most of their business. Fine. Yeah. Cut the movie tickets by a third. Maybe even in half. I guarantee viewership goes up. And if you don't adjust your concession prices, that will also increase because of increased foot traffic. Yeah, but I think, I mean, at what point are they being, prices being dictated by studios? And distributors, and not by theater chains. Well, the problem is if because second run can set their own prices. Every second run theater is different because they can set their own prices. Because at that point, studios just want to get whatever buck more bucks they can get out of it. Yeah, but when you talk about first run theaters, most of them are owned by the big two, AMC Group and Regal Entertainment. Yeah, I mean. It's not a monopoly per se, but you can't tell me those two fuckers aren't talking to each other. No, and I'm pretty sure they are. But then also there's disparity within the same company because I can go see a movie at Bridgeport and pay $4 more per ticket than I do at the Regal in Oregon City. True. So it, it doesn't make – I mean, I guess that's nice because you're in a different neighborhood and it's different quote-unquote clientele. Right. So the price has changed, but – that just seems a little absurd. Wonky. I was going to go with wonky. Well, my biggest thing is always the same. If they're worried about attendance, prices go down. Yeah. And if price of admission goes down and you don't change your concession costs, you're still going to make that money. Yeah. Which is what I don't think, you know, with the advent of the reserve seats, the recliner seats, and all that crap. Charge whatever you want for that. But for the normal non-reserve seat cinemas, cut those prices. Right. You'll see a bunch more people. Some people will go to the big movies that they want those that experience. They want their seat. They don't want to have to worry. Like your your Star Wars, your big tentpole movies. Yeah. We'll still we'll still get those. But your tiny theaters, you know, are still eleven twenty five. Put them at eight dollars. Yeah. Put them at eight dollars and you've 
thus made it more affordable. And maybe people would be, like you said, more willing to pay concession costs. Because I can go to the, the regular cinema and get four tickets for a reasonable price. Exactly. And not have to go to the fucking 11 a.m. first showing, you know, to get well, the, the one-time matinee. Well, and even worse, right? I went and saw Atomic Blonde in Philly. I went to the 11.10 a.m. showing. Yeah. It was still 17 fucking dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? No. At least down, like, at the Century Theater down at the mall, which is near where I live, the first the first showing of the day is always the half-price showing. Right. So it's like, you know, when Nicole didn't work Sundays, we were like, fuck, let's go see it the first showing at, like, 10 o'clock, because guess what? It's 7 bucks. Exactly. But $17 for the first? $17 for the first showing of the day. You know what? At this point... Sympathies eroded. You're doing it to yourself. Fuck you. Yes. Yeah. Remember? Okay. Uh, granted, it, it it created more long lines. But when, like, Star Wars debuted in 77, there wasn't too many movie chains. There were movie houses that were owned by small businesses or families. Yeah. And sure, they maybe only had one to three screens. And so you couldn't have a lot of uh, a lot of variety in your pictures. You had to choose, and sure that created a lot of lines, people waiting for movies. But that also went to the experience. Yeah. I. What's even more surprising to me is it's not even a labor cost thing, because there are less people working at movie theaters than ever, because automation has taken over so much. Yeah. So labor cost has gone down. Cost of tickets is gone. Got to have that profit margin. Got to show something to your investors, right? And that's what it is. It's just uh, it's all about the almighty stock price. Mm. All right. So talking track wars went on a long tan business tangent. Let's let's circle back to our namesake. All right. So discovery. No, no more discovery. We're not talking discovery anymore. We're not talking about STD today? No, no, no. We've had enough negative shows. We're going to talk about something fun. Okay, cool. I like it. Okay. Are we talking about the Orville? No. no oh. We're going we're, we're to save that for later. We're going to have a little flight of fancy here. Okay. Within the Prime Universe. Of? Star Trek's Prime Universe. Okay. The Prime Timeline. What are some storylines you wish... You got either answers to, or you would want them to create whole. Like, this is our fan fiction segment. Right, right. So things what, that they never finished, but they should have. Not just that, but something that you always wanted to see, but even they didn't even have to start it, but something you always wanted to see that you never did. And I want three things. I want okay. three things. You want to? Do you have one on, on top of your head first, or you want me to go first to give you a few minutes? I, I have one off the top of my head. One off the top of your head. Okay, so we're going to do three things. I want three. I want three things. I got three. You need to have three. So, are you ready? You want me to go? Well, I think we should alternate. I've got one. You okay, one I know, no, but do you want me to go with one first? Or do you no, I got one. Okay. Um, within the Voyager Prime timeline. Okay. I really would have enjoyed uh, actually getting to see them flush out the relationship between Chakotay and Seven of them. Okay. Because yeah. I think it would have brought for some fucking hysterical television. Okay. Yeah. We only got small glimpses of it. We, well, and we only got those glimpses of it in an episode where 
she is experimenting on the holodeck. Yeah. And then the finale where they start dating. Sort of. Well, and there was a flash, it was a flashback, but you had to change the timeline because bad things happened, so that also altered things. Right. Okay. Alright. So I would have loved to have seen that. So your turn. Okay. I am going into the next generation. Okay. I want to know the extent of Picard and Guinan's relationship. Yeah. <laughs> How, like, because we know through through or through the show the first time they meet. Yeah. I would like to see the second time they meet. Yeah. I want to know how, because there's that one line when uh, Picard is talking, and he goes, uh, I think it's to Ensign Rowe, he goes, well, Guinan called you her friend, and that takes a lot to do it. Well, she's like, yeah, well, what did you do to become her friend? That is another story. We never got said story. Um, and then there's another one, another episode where they're talking about the relationship between Guinan and Picard, and it says... It's more than friendship. It's more than family. Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. Like, that was one of the things where you're like, I I never understood why, A, the show never gave us resolution on that, or B, that could have been a subplot in one of the movies. Right. You know, like, you thought maybe in Generations they were going to do it when you saw Guy in there, and then you're like, nope, nope, we're not going that direction. Nah. All right, so that's... We each have one. That's a good one. Though. Yeah. See. See. Yeah. Think over here. What's your number two, sir? Um. And remember, this doesn't have to be answers to stuff. This can be something you just always wanted to see. So much of that's the, one of the things about Star Trek is, in general, they always kind of gave you what you wanted at some level. Maybe. Maybe. Um. I, I my number two, the, you'll like. Sticking in the Prime Universe. It's all within the Prime. No outside. Yeah, um, I would love to have seen the continued development of Paul and Trip. Had they, A, not killed him. Yeah. B, the show had gotten its actual appropriate timeline run. Okay, so you would, with it, because their relationship was supposed to blossom even more within the context of the Romulan War. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll add that on the, as a little caveat. I, yeah, I I always like that, and then I didn't like when you got to the finale, and they're like, oh, yeah, our relationship's been over forever, for years. What? Like, no, 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 no. You guys just started it, and you guys just had a kid together that really wasn't your kid, but it was from your mixed DNA, and then now the next over. the next episode, we're, no, 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 no. That, that, that upset me. No, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. No? No, 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 no. No. Okay. All right. My number two. I want to, I wanted to, I want to see what the fuck the Enterprise E was up to during the Dominion War. We got a reference to it in Nemesis, but we never actually saw it. And I always thought in Deep Space Nine, I was glad we got the primary focus. But I always thought there could have been an episode where the Enterprise E came through and you had just yeah. that one one or two episode arc with what they were doing during the Dominion War. Because they participated in it, but show me a battle where the Picard's leading it or something like that. That, Yeah. I figured you would have liked that. 
Are you thinking? Or are you? No, I've got an answer. It's. I want. Is this your next one? Yeah. Okay. No more comments on the Enterprise. No, I think it's a very good statement. Okay. This is twofold because it's it's timeline or timeline items that never got explored that they should have. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen a spin-off series for the Enterprise C and Captain Garrett. Okay. We know how it ends. Enterprise C and Captain Garrett. And Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin. Um, on that same vein of existence, something that I was really hoping that they would have done, that, I mean, every Star Trek canon fan would have shit themselves had they actually done this with the new series, is the new series should have been about the Titan. Okay, yeah. Because it sticks within the prime timeline. You get Jonathan Frakes, you know, Will Riker as your captain, as your really only known character. Except for Crusher. Right, who they say is on it, but I don't think they would have gotten to a week to do another series. At that point... He might have. He actually. probably would have, actually. He probably would have. Because he was no longer Boy Wonder. He was an adult. He was a, His character could have been fleshed out. You could have done so yeah. much more with it. Um, and Jordy was the captain of another ship. You could have had him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think specifically in the Titan, like that would have been a great timeline for them to explore. Yeah. Because for older fans, you could go ahead and pull Elson with, oh, it's uh, Captain Riker, all right. And then for new fans, you could have done a lot of what you're doing with Discovery, just kind of make this about anything. Yeah, yeah. You and have... then you, you pay homage to the to the old fans by having a familiar timeline and a, a familiar character with the set established parameters. Yeah. And you can see what happened to it now. And the fact that they've decided to do the anthology series that they've done is a fucking nightmare. All right, we're trying to stay positive. We're trying to stay positive. But I'm su- I, those, that would have been something I would have loved to have seen. Got to watch out. And, I mean, there are still so many... There's so much... I think one of the reasons they did it is there's a lot of... Um, I'll say fan fiction, but there's a lot of fan script and everything. And there's a lot of other... That's all fault. Specifically around the Titan already. Oh, uh, okay. All right, my third one yeah. is like yours, has multiple things in it because yeah. they're all equal in my brain, which right. ones I wanted to see. All right, so my A is, was Jonathan Archer future guy? One of the rumors was the guy who was orchestrating the Suliban right. was, was actually Admiral Archer as an old man trying to change certain things. Coming back to time, that was that was the theory that was yeah. thrown around, uh, which you know I would have liked to had answers to, but it, it it's okay the way it was, the way they ended it, yeah. sort of ended it. B, so I'm bringing down to A, B, and C. Yeah, B, yeah. I want to see, I wanted to see the last time Kirk and Spock were together, because I don't believe it was at the end of of uh, the Undiscovered Country. That was the last time they were te- all together on the bridge of the Enterprise. Right. But we never got to see the last time Spock and Kirk, Shatner and Nimoy, were together as Kirk. We, we could have gotten them together one last time as Kirk and Spock because right. 
Nimoy didn't want to do Generations, otherwise it was supposed to be there. And instead it was him and Jim Doohan and Cohen. But I would have liked to have seen that last time they were together. As it stands, Undiscovered Country does that nicely. But I'm selfish. I wanted one more. Right. Um, so that was... I think Undiscovered Country is, is on the vein of positivity. A great example of how a, se- a series or a collection wrap- should wrap up. Yeah. And then I've mentioned it, my final thing, I mentioned it one more time, and this is my fan fiction art coming out. I want to see, I wanted to see, or I want to see, when Picard retires and Worf takes over as captain of the Enterprise and be the first having a Klingon captain of an Enterprise. That would have been so different, whether it be the Enterprise taking over on the Enterprise E or the brand new Enterprise F. That's what I would have loved. That And that's, like I said, that's yeah, that's wishful thinking make-believe. And, it, you know, because we've seen him as pseudo-captain of the Defiant. Yes. Uh, but I want, I really wanted him to see him as captain of the Enterprise. I thought that would have been... Well, I mean, technically speaking, we've seen it before. As captain of the Enterprise? Mm-hmm. It was short-lived. I don't remember. Uh, I forget the exact name of the episode at the, at the moment. It is the first episode where we see Kalar. And. <clears throat> oh, well, yeah, yeah, okay. Captain Worf. Yeah. And then there is also the one where they all lost their memory due to that, that entity. Oh, yeah. And he, nobody, but since he's the assertive one, he takes over as captain. I'm decorated too. Yeah. Or I'm decorated as well. Yeah, that's, uh, season five. Yeah. Um, but yes, I. More of the official old man wharf as, as, as true, true captain. So that was what I wanted. But those are my, my three little things. Yeah. Um, okay. Sticking with the idea of canon, we now had four series end? Five. Five. Which finale was your favorite, and why? Well, you can discredit the original series, because it didn't have, really have a finale. It just got canceled. Uh, we already have talked shit about how terrible, and even all the actors said it, how terribly they entered Enterpri- ended Enterprise. Right. It was horrible. Um, I know your answer is going to be Voyager. <laughs> I. Why do you assume that? Because you said it to me before. Okay. Uh, you know what? My heart, because it's my favorite show, wants to say say Deep Space Nine, and it did have a very satisfying conclusion. Did it? As satisfying as they could make it, right? With what they had, you know, they had plans for an eighth season, but. You know, since Next Gen was most popular and that ended at 7, everything from that point on had to end at 7, right. if it made that far. But I liked all good things. I liked the multiple timelines, the multiple enterprises. You brought Q back, you found, and it connected to Encounter at Farpoint. It served as a good bookend. Whereas Deep Space Nine 
was a great character end, in my opinion. It didn't tie back into the beginning of the series too much. Right. And, yes, Voyager's ending was highly entertaining. And I thought it was good for all the characters. They showed you a lot of things. They did right. They did your time travel thing, but I, I really like the ending to Next Gen. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna say that. So here's why I disagree about all good things specifically. To me, when you watch all good things, it 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 could have been just another episode. It doesn't really end the story. Now, that might have been intentional with the plans to go to movies. That's what, what my argument was going to be. But it doesn't... You don't, I never felt that I walked away satisfied with that being the end. Um, whereas with the things you leave behind, and um, I forget the actual title of Voyager's last episode, but with that episode as well, I remember walking away going, that was a, that was a nice nice wrap-up. They left the door open for future, but they're not over-committed to anything. Yeah. Whereas I felt it all good things, it ended, the, sh the, the show ended, you're like, okay, I'm ready for next week's episode. It didn't feel like there was any finalization to the story. You know, one of the things I like about... Um, Deep Space Nine is when you really think about the story arc of DS9 it's the story of Ben Sisko getting to a an end game as the uh, emissary of the province yeah. becoming the emissary you know, going to DS9 is the predetermined life him not wanting to be there, and then, you know, being all of that, and becoming it. And then, even throughout most of the series, he's at a tension point with being the captain and being the emissary. Yeah. And the end episode, you very comfortably realize, or he, you can see it within him, he ends the arc of, he is the emissary, and that is the only thing he is going to be. Yeah. And, and but you can see that there's a comfort level with that at that point, um, and that to me is a nice end of that story. Now it's a seven season arc, yeah. But that is the conclusion of said story. I don't I don't watch that episode at the end and go I want another episode because they do set up the thing right. You know you have Miles goes back to the academy, yeah. You have. Worf goes off to be a um, ambassador to Kronos. But it doesn't last very long. Well, in canon it doesn't last long. I mean, yeah. But they don't, you don't know that at yeah. the end of the series. You know, but you could very, you could go, well, it would be easy for them to continue on. Kira's still there, Odo's still, or Odo's gone, sorry. You yeah. know, Kira's still there, Bashir's still there, Dax is still there, Nog is still there, promoted yet again. Yeah. I mean, there's so much like, yeah, you could go on. But you still feel very comfortably like, this is nice and neatly wrapped up. With Next Gen, like I said, I always felt at the end, oh, I'm ready for next week's episode. And Voyager is, to me, the epitome of wrapping up a story. Yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of fancy tricks and everything they play to make it fancy during that episode. But the story of Voyager is a ship getting stranded into Delta Toronto trying to get help. The ending of that episode is their home. Yeah. That's it. End of story. Yeah. And you feel very good about that. Yeah, but you also have invested so much in those characters that you, to me, for Voyager, I wanted another episode of the, or another season of them transitioning to being back. Because they had to do so much where they had to rely on so many people. Like, I viewed them as being the biggest, like, you could have had a season where you could have done a great analogy about post-traumatic stress disorder. You, how many, you, seven years, hypertension. Constantly on alert, you know, very little. How do people transition? Neelix, you're the only, you're the only, uh. Well, Neelix isn't on the ship anymore. Well, yeah. Oh, he stayed, that's right, he stayed. He stayed in the Delta Quadrant at the Talaxian colony. That's right, I forgot about that. But, there were still so many other things, you know, like, you wanted to see the Chicote 709, that really, like, Janeway finally getting promoted and Dean Despam, like saying on like, Admiral Janeway, yeah. There's, there were so many. Th- what was Paris like? What, what was Tom like? You know, because he left a criminal. He comes back. He's a decorated officer, and he has a decent relationship with his father. Well, I mean, you're talking about unanswered questions, as opposed to whether or not the finale gave you. A lot but of you know, but see, you talked, you talked about walking away from Next Gen, saying, "I want another episode." I walked away from Voyager saying, I want another episode. It's because you're greedy. So could say the same thing to you. I'm, say, so I, I'm saying, like, our favorites may be one thing, so, but if we really want to talk about it, the best one that wraps it up is Deep Space Nine. I disagree. See, because then you go, well, how long is Ben going to be there? I'm looking at it not necessarily as whether or not you want it more, but does it arc the story correctly? It's an ending of the story. Because but, these are all stories. But, okay, but if you go back to Next Gen, they arced the story from where they began with. Sure enough, they're still on the Enterprise, it's still going through, but all those other characters still exist. But they arced the story of where they started out with the far point and Q to the very to the very end. But it doesn't end the story. Right. It, it ends the story with Q. It, that's where the story began. I disagree. I think it only starts, it opens it up to more. I, see... I think we're 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 we're, uh, we're circling we're circling here. We're circling the drain again. Yeah. Well, because we're both seeing saying the same things from a different perspective with different with our different ships, our different right. series. Because it's to me, next ship wrap that story up. Sure enough, Picard and all them went on. They were still on the Enterprise, but they didn't have a coherent storyline. The way Voyager did, the way, not storyline, story arc, I should say, the way Voyager and Deep Space Nine did. They were very much week-to-week serials, whereas Next Gen didn't have, they had a couple two-parters, they had several two-parters, but they didn't have a season where at the beginning of it, you start off with this one mission, at the end of the season, it wraps up that mission. You know, they were constantly doing different things. I I get you. I'll give you that. So... I'll I'll concede that point. I would say... They weren't serial in their storytelling. That's what the word is. Does that make it a better or worse series, though? I still argue that D69 is the best series because it had that serial storytelling, especially towards the end. 
you know. Uh, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, we're on record saying that you and I think it's probably the most complete. Yeah, and I sent you a link to a per- from a person arguing about how Teaster's Nine is the best Star Trek ever. Right. Which I tried to get Nicole to read, but she didn't. Because it would it would hurt her brain to. No, she thought it was blasphemy. Yeah, it would hurt her brain to question that. But also, the next generation is perfect. But also, she hasn't watched a single episode of Deep Space Nine, so it would She's be without out so much. Well, once we finish with Next Gen, we will be on to Deep Space Nine. I'm going to be so curious as to what her opinions of it will be. I think she's and going to have a rough first two seasons. Well, that's true. Pretty much everybody did. There was some really good stuff, like a couple good episodes here and there, but pretty much the show um, took off once Warp joined. One of my one of my favorite episodes in the early seasons of DS9 was If Wishes Were Horses. Yeah. That episode's great. You know one of my favorite episodes, and I forget the title of it, all centers around a hollow, hollow, uh, hollow deck baseball game with a crew of take a, me out to the hollow suite. Yeah, with a crew of an entirely surly Vulcan who <laughs> have reduced baseball to what it is, math, and have figured out a way to just demolish everyone. Everyone and Cisco's got this rivalry with their captain and wants to win and brings in the teamwork and the family aspect. Like that episode was just a whole lot of fun. Take me out to the hall suite is the name of the episode. It's in the fifth season. Is it? Or yeah. sixth season. So it's fifth. I might be, I'm pretty sure it's fifth season. But it's a fun episode. It's, it's well-timed. No, it has to be after the fifth season. Why? Because it was Esri Dax and not Jed Z. Oh, yeah, so it's later. It's like season six. Six, yeah. Probably the sixth. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, taking out to the Hall Suite. I always enjoyed some of the... Star Trek always did, you know, pretty much it felt like every other season. They interjected this, what I like to call, the ridiculous episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to what I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, if wishes were horses. Um, <clears throat> Captain's Holiday in Next Gen was one of those yeah. ones. Uh, though it ended up being much more much heavier storyline than I think they set out to write. Yeah. Um, another DS9 episode was uh, Far Beyond the Stars. Like, that end- episode ended up being really intense. Yeah. But seeing Worf playing a professional baseball player of a human, talking about going two for four last night, was fucking hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. There's one thing I should have mentioned in our fanfic, what they should have done. Yeah. We never got to see Next Gen explore the Mirror Universe. No, they didn't. Um, and the closest you ever got was Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. Which is disappointing. Um, though that breaks up as one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Uh, they never really, you're right, they never explored the true mirror universe. And I think that's critical timing in the sense of you go from the Terran Empire in the original series to DS9, you jump, and everything is controlled by the Alliance. Yeah. And Terrans are slaves. Very interesting change that that time frame of next gen would have explained a lot. Yeah. You could have... Yeah, you could have got... Quite a bit. So that that was another juicy bit that I forgot to write down. But it's true. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That that would have been nice. I would love. Now that we're saying it, I think it'd be cool to do a mini series of the Mirror Universe. That'd be fun. I think it would be. A, they could do, totally do it. But the problem is with what cast. Yeah. Because Voyager never did the Mirror University. No. Unless you count, um, what was the episode? Uh, I just know what they did. Um, basically, it's an episode where the Doctor is backup module is found and reactivated. And he's on a planet years, and yeah. they have, and they have, they have Voyagers, Voyagers, like, bloodthirsty and they killed their leader and they yeah, have this yeah. distorted history one. Yeah, that's, it's, that's as close as they come. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I would have, I would have enjoyed. Yeah, you know, it's just like if they had a move, they had a movie planned after Nemesis, and it was supposed to bring parts of the Enterprise crew, Jonathan Archer's Enterprise crew, forward in time to a time event. And they were supposed to bring, and it was supposed to have people from Deep Space Nine and Voyager. It was supposed to be the the confluence of all the series in one movie. You know, that, I thought that would have been interesting. Um, let's. Have you heard any? Um, Rumors on a fourth Abrams Universe movie yet? They uh, are. The thing I've heard is that there's no script and Simon Pegg is having trouble writing it. I haven't heard anything about Simon Pegg having trouble writing it. I've heard uh, interviews with Carl Urban and Zachary Quinto uh, all saying, uh, we're on board, we want to keep doing it, we'll do whatever we have to to do it, we just need we just need to be presented with it. Um, Which is good, because I heard Quinto was the one who was wavering for a while. Yeah, and he, yet he was the first one to speak out saying, you know, he had such a good time on Beyond, and he likes where the character's going. Which, actually, if you look at the Spock character in the first two, and then you look at him in Beyond, is a very different character. Yeah. He's he's grown and he's starting to merge more with the Nimoy character, but also have Nimoy Spock, but also having his own little spin because he's a different character because of the yeah time time difference. Uh, so yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about Simon Pegg having trouble writing it. Um, all I know was the rumors that it was supposed to deal with time travel and they were supposed to bring Chris Hemsworth back as. George Kirk. It's George Kirk and bring him forward in time and have something to do with him and him and Chris Pine together. Chris Pine? Which I think would be funny because pretty much it'd be like some of the classic episodes where it's like, no, you have to go back in time. Why? Because you have to die. Because that's yeah. how this timeline is. Otherwise, we're going to change everything all over again. Right. Um, Wouldn't that be some fuckery, though? If that's exactly what they did, if you like, you accept they really done fucked up these first couple movies. Number four, we're gonna fix all of that. But then you have to. All right, we're gonna send them back in time. Why? Yeah, don't worry. We're gonna stop Nero before anything happens. It's all gonna. It's all gonna be fine. Vulcan's not gonna get destroyed. Kirk, you're gonna grow up with your dad. And. Which, you and I both know is exactly what you would expect of James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah. Go Shit. We need to get some whales. <laughs> Let's travel back in time and go find us some whales. 
Let's in the USS or the HMS Bounty. Yes. Oh yes. Well, that's a, that is a fun thought to think about that they'll never do. Let's uh, because then it would fuck off. It fuck up Discovery. All right. <laughs> yeah, <it> would. <laughs> Thank God. Alright, so let's uh let's call that an episode. Thanks for stopping by. Yes.